Oh, yeah. yeah. I could have sent you Zoom and then you don't, you didn't have to download it. You can just link on to it. Oh, should have done it. Is that what you're using is Zoom? Is that the big one to use now? Yeah, yeah. That one, uh, Zoom or, or, or Blue Jeans, they're about the same. Blue Jeans? That sounds very hip for you, Corey. <laughs> you also know you sound like a, one of the kids. Well, you know, I, I try to be uh, you know, more youthful in my approach. <laughs> oh, does that work for you? Oh, absolutely. Hey, everybody. Todd Conklin, Pre-Accident Investigation. How are you today? Good? I don't know. I don't know if good is a word we can even use anymore. It is... Um, it's it's time to come together for a big podcast, and this is a special podcast, of course, because all the podcasts I have lined up, which are all really good, and you'll get to hear them all. Don't worry. I'm not keeping it any well. Some have gone away, actually, so some I won't play for you, probably. They're all changing, and it's because the world is just so dramatically changing. It's it's hard to keep up. I mean, it's the the, the pace of change around crisis is always remarkable. And you can really see where uncertainty drives just lots of um, very quick judgments. It's tough because you can't really call them rash judgments because you you want to make quick decisions that have potentially long-term impacts. But if you don't make the decision quick, then it's too late. The most interesting thing I'm learning, and I'm learning a ton through this, you guys, a ton, is that response to a crisis always feels like overkill before and underkill afterwards. So wherever you are in the scheme of the event impacts whether you're over-responding in prespect or whether you under-responded in retrospect. And you can really see where, well, there's two things that I think are vital, at least in, in my thinking. I'd be curious what you're thinking too. One is that, there really is a choice between blame and improvement. One takes you backwards, the other moves you forward. And and I've talked about that for my, pretty much my whole career, but you can really see it when you watch how governments and states and provinces and, and regions respond to failure, that looking backwards in blame really does fix nothing. Looking forward allows you the opportunity to look towards improvement. And that means some decisions are made quickly. What it really tells me between you and I is the power of having the ability to be agile and adaptive, to experiment, to try things at small scale in order to get a fast data set by which you can use then to maybe multiply to a larger data set. And all of you guys that listen to this podcast, and there's a whole bunch of you, that are having to make these very, very, very quick, very important decisions are processing this information just as fast as I am as well. And it's, it's crazy. I, I don't even know what to think. My heart is breaking for the workers and people who are going without just because at no fault of their own, this uncertainty struck and it struck a system that's just not very capacity filled. And you can really see that with healthcare, really globally. You can see it with healthcare. You especially see it in the United States. And it's it's something to behold. And it's frightening. And it's scary. 
And these little daily virus casts I'm doing, those have been helpful at least in making me think about things that I should learn every day in order to share them with you. I don't know if they're good or not. I, I'm not sure the, the arbiter of good or bad will happen um, now. It'll happen later. But I do know that they provide us an opportunity to think about really how we do our work and what, what things like capacity, what, what do those words actually mean to us? Because those are pretty interesting words when we talk about them in the, in the macro and when we talk about them in sort of the theoretic. But when you actually bring them to application like you guys are doing every single day, you really see where you had capacity and where you did not have capacity. I mean, it's, just, it's, it's almost painfully obvious. And I can tell you the things that are recovering well are recovering well because there was enough tolerance and capacity in the system to manage a pretty relatively significant intervention, a big, big poop full of uncertainty and to roll out of it and recover. And you're seeing things like you guys in the grocery business, man, I, I can't even imagine how, how much further your systems are taxed right now. And for those of you guys that have production in place right now, you're really seeing probably some pretty big pushes on the edge of that production. But I bet you're seeing something else too. I bet you're seeing less deference towards rules and more deference towards problem solvers. It's really interesting when uncertainty happens, the first thing that goes out the door are rules. And uh, there's a lesson for us in that. Uh, absolutely, there's a lesson for us in that. And it's a lesson we ought to be learning. That's that's a that's for sure, right? So let's let's break into the podcast. So here's here's the backstory on this podcast. So Jeff Lith had a Vancouver Human Performance Workshop, a, a three day workshop scheduled, and it's been canceled because everything's being canceled because no one can travel. That makes sense. We know why. We understand the background on that. And one of the days it was going to be myself and Corey Pitzer. And I love Corey, and I don't get to spend near enough time with him. We see the world very differently, but that makes us more interesting to each other, not less interesting. And so we had done a podcast promoting this workshop. And Corey got in and started talking about his new work he's doing around fatalities. And uh, it was a great podcast. The problem is, is that when we canceled the workshop, I couldn't use the podcast anymore because it's not going to happen. So the podcast would be a giant waste of time. So I thought, well, what am I going to do? I guess I'll scrap that podcast because that's what I'm going to have to do. But I didn't want to scrap the conversation with Corey. And I thought, well, I can't really pull the conversation out. So I just called Corey and said, hey, you want to do another one? And he said, sure. So earlier this week, we picked up and got on Skype and did a little podcast. And that's what I'm going to share with you. Now, the important thing for us is to support one another, to be kind, and to help each other. And I'm so proud of all the things that are going on right now. Andrew Barrett's doing this open office hours uh, via the web. You're seeing real strong communities being built uh, lots of places in order to create an environment where, well, you know, we can support one another. And that's really valuable. That's kind of what this conversation is with Corey. A couple of friends in the midst of a crisis talking about what happened. Oh, my God, what happened? And more importantly, oh, my God, what's next? So without further ado, let me just pop into the conversation, and you can listen to Corey and Todd 
on the Pre-Accident Podcast. Stay strong, you guys. Be kind to each other and keep moving forward. I'll talk to you at the end. Well, since we're gonna, we're not gonna clearly get to do our workshop, which makes me so sad. And we had this great podcast that I wanted to put up. I guess I wanted to touch base with you and see what you're thinking about all this COVID nineteen thing and how it's impacting what you're doing and what you're thinking. What's going on in your world? Yeah, uh, obviously, quite a serious impact in uh, in in a lot of ways. Uh, I just returned from United Kingdom. And um, last week, and so I, you know, doing the 14-day isolation here. But um, uh, and then everything that was planned for the uh, for the next month and a half now is already all been cancelled. And uh, so we, we we have to adjust quite a bit. But we were actually quite prepared, not for this, but uh, for a different. We were we were looking at putting our whole business a lot more. On um, on online and uh, through webinars and through the web, and I've done quite a bit of uh, preparation for that and setups and so on, and so we're actually really well set up now to switch over. So, and uh, here comes the virus, you know. What did that preparation so, look uh, like? What are you thinking about doing differently? Well, we are thinking about doing coaching, uh, more online coaching. Uh, we are splitting up our training programs into uh, modules that we will do through through zoom um, and through uh, uh, through uh, uh, through online uh, sessions and split it up with smaller modules and like we used to have a day session we'll do it over two or three days or two two or three days spread out over a couple of weeks or something like that as, um, a, as a safety professional What's your what's your feeling on this pandemic? I guess maybe a better question would be, what's your feeling on, on organizations' reaction to this pandemic? What are you what are you seeing? Uh, I'm seeing um, a heavy, diligent reaction uh, from organizations uh, that you know the ones I'm dealing with, where they've uh, gone into uh, quick modes of uh, of splitting teams up into green teams and red teams and uh, or blue teams and green teams and they, they operate uh, alternatively the, the top teams have been split up uh, fairly early on and uh, and started to to ensure that they can actually uh, you know manage the process more lean but also with less uh, social interaction a lot of that is uh, done I think fairly early in the piece and the company that I was in London with uh, started off uh, very well with that and uh, the problem is of course uh, you know, out there on, in the workplaces where the actual work is being done, um, you know, they have to have interactions there, and the productions are going. Um, but I think overall, the, the reaction of companies were, were very progressive and diligent. Has it changed the way safety functions? Um, I think it does. Uh, it will. Uh, it, it probably hasn't yet. Um, you know, at this stage, it's like containment. Uh, reaction to to the immediate threat, um, but you know if you think about long term, um, uh, I think there's going to be a, a, a lot of impact on, on on various levels. You know, and if you think about the um, you know the, the process of uh, you know of uh, the, the controls that are being put in place in a normal situation in an organization, uh, there's a lot of a lot of safety happens through interaction through engagement. 
um, you know, the, 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 organ, the leadership, uh, the, the, the way that they spread the message is through personal engagement. Um, all of those things are probably um, under, not under threat, but probably eroded. And, you know, how, how, will they, uh, how will they do it otherwise? So there's going to be more a shift to electronics, to, you know, online uh, electronic media, which may very well erode the safety message in, in, in the long term from, from what I can see. Do you see more division between management and the workforce because of the necessary social distancing that's happening? I certainly see that as, as, uh, as, one, as one of the fallouts. Um, but also in, in teams, you know, within, on, the, on a lateral level. Um, I, I, I think the, the whole uh, drive of safety has always been, not always, has been strongly through the social um, life of it. And, uh, you know, the message of safe, being safe, taking care of each other, that's still all possible, but just a simple uh, quantity of interaction. Uh, must have a, a, a slow down effect on on that. So and, and this is quite fascinating for me because this is all about culture, and uh, you know how how the culture in the organisation exists and lives. And uh, there's actually quite a, a. I'm just playing with this in my mind at the moment that uh, the the behaviour of a virus. And, and you remember uh, was it Gladwell's book. The tipping point uh, about how you know a virus uh, epidemic spread, um, and I've always thought about that in terms of cultural terms. How um, how a change in culture in an organization spreads like a virus, you know, through uh, strong individuals or connected individuals uh, that sends a different message into the organization, and that starts to shift people's perceptions about the, the leadership and, and about safety and so on. So, uh, so there's this, this, this kind of analogy that's start, starting to uh, become quite interesting for me. Is, is, there a, is it similar? Who's doing it well, and what's that look like? Uh, doing what well? The, the response? Yeah, the response to this, and the, and, the, and the mitigated communication, and the cultural intervention, and the communication via electronic media, all that kind of stuff that's kind of normal now we've been in it a couple of weeks yeah you know i don't have a, a, a clear handle on an organization as such that uh, that is doing it well um you know uh, at this stage i think uh, organizations are at this stage scrambling uh, to, um, to 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 manage the process and to almost reacting all the time um and keeping people away from work where they can etc so I think the organizations who is going to live through this uh, and, and, and be effective in the long term are those who are actually going to manage this whole issue strategically in the organization. Um, you know, to, to how, how do they manage the impact on operations, uh, how, they impact, uh, how they manage the impact on, on, on people in the business and, and how they interact. Uh, long term, that's going to be a, a real challenge. Uh, I think I think things will, you know, will resettle. This is quite probably quite a big reset button uh, that's being pressed. Um, but you know, from our field, our perspective in terms of safety, um, 
I, I'm a little bit worried about the impact that it, it's going to have on our effectiveness as a profession um, in the long run. And you, so which organizations, um, that, I, I, I think that's still to be, the jury is still out on that probably. Do you see it influencing things like fatalities and serious events? Um, you know, yeah, I, I, I think there may well be that, that kind of impact. Um, uh, I think I did mention to you this, um, this interesting uh, concept that I started to work on, um, on uh, in terms of uh, what, what factors precede in an organization uh, arise in a likelihood, not, not in a predictive way, uh, not as a metric, but what kind of factors uh, are, um, are influencing that kind of uh, uh, potential for fatal, fatal events. And, um, you know, for instance, the, one of the things that, 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 that I worry about is the, uh, the myopic, myopic focus of organizations on the events, uh, fatal events that, that they know about, that is part of their history or part of their industry. And they, they focus so strongly on the, the known. Um, this whole virus uh, attack, um, you know, suddenly opens up, well, there's a lot unknown in, in, in the business. And it's increasingly more unknown because we, we're having more and more um, uh, complex operations. So will this, uh, will this uh, eventually have an impact on, 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 on safety, on, on, on fail events? I think it, uh, apart from the direct impact, you know, but also in terms of operations, how people uh, function in the business as a whole may, may, may erode the controls or the effects we have on, on, on failed prevention. How much do you think this, uh, the notion of resilience matters? Why is South Korea so much different in its response to this virus than, for instance, Italy was? I, I, I'm wondering if it's structural in, in nature, uh, you know, the, so I, I think it's demographics of Italy that, that looks to me like has played a key role in the whole thing. There's a, especially the northern part of Italy, there's a, um, there's a, there's a lot of tourism in that area. There's a lot of older people and, um, and also there's been a, a lot of uh, people uh, at the early stages tourism from, from China where the, where the whole thing started. And I think it was uncontrolled for them. Uh, but I'm not too sure if it's, if, it's, uh, if, it's, if it's in the cultures, the resilience in the cultures that, that makes a difference. I, I think it's demographics that's, uh, uh, and, and so many variables, I think it's a multifaceted uh, uh, issue that, uh, you know, for instance, Africa, you know, why is Africa so low? Uh, and I you know, think people you know, want to quickly say, oh, it's because they use malaria drugs and things like that, uh, which um, uh, may, may play a role. But, uh, you know, there's so many other factors. There's not a lot, not a lot of tourism into Africa. There's, uh, it's, it's summertime in Africa as compared to wintertime. So it's all kinds of uh, uh, physical demographics, I think. I'm not sure resilience is yet, um, yet playing a role, but certainly... Um, from now on, I think it's going to be a, a quite a quite a question. How resilient is the is the is the is the organizations? How resilient are the economies of the world of, of the various countries? That's going to be probably a big a big question. Well, we started this conversation by you saying because you guys at SafeMap are we're exploring new ways to deliver your product. 
you had more capacity than you could have had, maybe than other companies had, for this kind of change. That, I think, is a, a pretty good definition of resilience, albeit kind of accidental resilience, but you have resilience yeah. built into your system. What do you think that plays in, in the overall picture of this, this uh, strategy? Uh, in our strategy or overall? Well, uh, I think either is fine. Wherever you think you're the most brilliant. Um, sorry, no, I think I missed the question there, Todd. So, so you said when we started our conversation, you said that SafeMap had been exploring some alternative ways to deliver your product. And oh. when this happened, it was a pretty easy transition for you to go over. I would suggest that's resilience. That's accidental resilience. I mean, I don't think that was your strategy, but that's a pretty important capacity to have. And you had it. And when you need it, you can tap into it. Are other companies in the same place? Um, I don't know if, if other companies are in the same place, but I, I think they're going to uh, very quickly make that shift. It wasn't difficult for us to make the shift, you know, when we started to, to, to change our whole strategy. Uh, it was a matter of setting, setting it physically up and starting to think about how do we actually do this differently. Um, so I think organizations uh, are going to have to shift um, almost out of desperation. Uh, and they can do it equally well uh, in the end. Um, and if they do it, uh, whether they do it out of desperation or whether they do it out of a planned process like ours were, um, I think um, the, the, the opportunities are, are really open to everybody to, to, to come out positively uh, at the other end. And as you say, uh, you know, in terms of resilience, resilience to me really uh, is built by this adversity uh, and how we respond to it. Um, is uh, is going to be uh, the determining factor, but maybe maybe we should also think about what do we have inherently in our organisation. What are the strengths that we inherently have in our business uh, that can take us through to the next step? And uh, so, for instance, one of the things that uh, that uh, I was talking to to my um, my employees and staff with just yesterday, actually, is. Um, how do we utilize this time period uh, in a constructive way? So, for instance, um, how do we look at how do we uh, how we look at how we can actually take our, our products and uh, and push them into this uh, 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 electronic uh, circumstance very quickly? Uh, even though we have progressed in that way, we, we still have a way to go. Uh, but also, uh, we can actually use this time to develop. Conception, uh, you know, more and better concepts in what we're doing, uh, and how we, uh, you know, kind of ideas that we that we work with, and so that's what I'm busy with quite a bit now is to see how can I progress uh, conceptually because uh, I think that's the challenging part of it. What are your biggest concerns, or maybe I should ask it this way, Corey? What's your strategy for when things come back to normal? What, what are you going to do differently? What have you learned from this? What are you going to take out of this on the side of improvement? Um, I'm, not, I'm not too sure uh, how other than you know, the, the, the streamlining of the, of the process of, of, the, of, the, of the methodology, streamlining of the transfer of our knowledge into, into the clients. 
um, we, we, we might very well continue on the tack that we were, uh, and that's like, you know, let's, let's push hard for uh, uh, putting out uh, our materials over in, in modular fashion and more interaction through uh, video conferencing and so on. Um, but I think the, for me, the takeaway um, of this is, uh, is how we uh, can ready ourselves uh, to respond uh, for these kind of adversities, and, and, and not just corona, uh, you know, the coronavirus, but uh, other smaller adversities that come, come into, into line now. Because I think people are going to be more vulnerable. Uh, businesses are going to be more vulnerable. They're going to be uh, you know, more focused on, on the bottom line. They're going, to be, they're going to have less money to spend on uh, some... Uh, a lot of our materials and concepts are more at the uh, luxury end of safety. If I can put it like that, you know, we, you know, doing cultural development and leadership development uh, comes a little bit down the line from ensuring that uh, there's safety processes in place and uh, that the safety controls are effective. And so, from that perspective, we have to think how we actually structure our whole approach so that we can not push too too far ahead in the more luxury items of safety. So, are you saying? Are you saying you're predicting a swing back towards the more fundamentals, towards the industrial side of safety, as a as an initial response to the transition back? I think so. I think the uh, and as you know, you know our business has been split into two uh, parts. Uh, SafeMap is the more uh, leadership development and uh, uh, more uh, people side of the business, and the other side of SafeMap is called the Risk Map, and that's more on the risk management, uh, risk control side of things, and we split it for conceptual reasons. Uh, but I, I think there's going to be more a need for other businesses too, you know, to, to have a look and ensure that the fundamentals, the foundational side, industrial side, is, is, is well managed, and, uh, and then they can start getting again uh, to a point where they start looking at the, the more sophisticated levels of it. So, yeah, I think there's going to be uh, some level of regression if you can call it regression, it's not, not regression in negative terms, but to the more foundational side of safety. So what advice do you have for people? If you could give them advice, you're old and saged and wise. You're one of the great elders that walked the earth, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> what advice yeah. do you have? I, uh, I, my, my advice, uh, you know, I'm, I'm talking now to, you know, to uh, people inside a business, uh, managing and running safety in a business. Um, I, I, my advice would be to, to, to look as how, how quickly can we get back to uh, recapturing re, re the level of safety that we've achieved, uh, the, the level of sophistication that we've achieved, and, uh, and, and take it from there. You know, I think the, uh, the, the real challenge is to, is to not lose momentum, and it uh, depends on how long this whole process will play out. And if it's a month or two, I think the recapturing will be quick. Uh, but it could be that uh, you know organisations might uh, lose a little bit of um, uh, wind under the wind in the sails uh, because of having to uh, you know to to go back and do more basic stuff. Um, that's the one thing: is how quickly can we recapture uh, where we've been? Um, the the other side of, of this would be for me is. Uh, how do we actually ensure that the whole social fabric of our business is not damaged by this whole this whole thing? 
that we that we don't look upon social distancing as a uh, you know as a permanent feature of, of our world. Um, you know, the closer we are in terms of, uh, and I'm not meaning physically, but physically uh, removal, uh, social distance, uh, physical social distancing leads to more emotional social distancing too. Uh, so I think we have to be very careful that we don't see this as the permanent fabric of uh, of our society. I mean, we have to work hard, probably hard at messaging to our employees around engagement and the, the, the visibility and interaction between leadership, uh, uh, between leader groups, between levels in the organization, so that that fabric is actually retained. I think that's sage advice, man. I think that's really good advice. What would you say, let me just drop a little turd in the punch bowl. What would you say if I told you, I don't think we're going to re-enter, we're not going to go back to where we came. I think this will. This intervention is so significant, it'll really change us. What do you think? Uh, in, in what way do you think it'll change us? I think it's going to change the, the, the sort of the social interactions within the organization. Um, it's going to feel different, and it feels different because it probably is different. Yeah, I, I uh, absolutely. Coming back to what I said earlier on, um, you know, I, I, I fear it will have a, a lasting impact uh, in, in terms of how we, how we've messaged safety and and how we've messaged progression in our organizations. You know, just the whole notion of um, of uh, human interaction as a foundational side of it. Um, it's certainly going to be damaged, but. I'm thinking that's how that's going to be our challenge. How quickly can we, maybe not quickly, but how effectively can we recapture what has brought us here? Um, you know, if we if if we are not able to to get back to uh, to where we are as a society in terms of our whole cultural interaction in, in normal life, uh, then we then we've lost the battle uh, in, in in that respect. So, you know, uh, this is bigger than anything anybody's ever seen, uh, probably in terms of on, on, on the health side of issues. Um, uh, where, where this will lead us, I think you're right. It's going gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna to be different when we start. But how do, we, how do we ensure that the things that we did well, the things that, that served us well, are not lost as a result of that? So that's the pod. What do you think? It's it's hard not to just go into complete depression and have these horrific worst case scenarios conversations. But I actually think we worked hard not to do that. We, I did at least. I I appreciate what Corey's thinking. I also appreciate what you're thinking as well. Let's uh, let's communicate a lot. I do think the reentry is going to be something we need to strategize and think about. And so we should. Let's do that. Until then. Learn something new every single day. Have as much fun as you possibly can. Be kind to each other. And for goodness sakes, be safe.